0: Witness history this year at the French Open, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch it. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. It's three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off. We'll see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if fresh faces rise to the challenge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all goes down. Hello, 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 and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you are listening... On the Believe Network, we've got a lot to get to today. We have Indian Wells that's going on right now, quote-unquote, the fifth major. And the nice part about like Indian Wells and some of these tournaments, especially these big Masters 1000s, is everybody plays in it. So there's only really one tournament to talk about, but my God, it's the best tournament going on, and it is the best tennis. It's almost like a Grand Slam, really, uh, pretty much without the prize money and as big of stadiums. But if you've seen the facility down there in Palm Springs and in Indian Wells, It is unbelievable, and there's a reason why everybody wants to play in this tournament, and there's a reason they get attendance that is equal, if not too bigger, than the French Open. Let's get right to it. Let's get to some of the matches that have been really exciting to watch over the first, you know, how many days. Um, Carlos Alcaraz making a name for himself. He's the 19th seed. He is into round three. He'll play Roberto Batista Agut. Like I said, this is the really cool part about this tournament is a lot of these big names are in it. Cam Norrie's looking for back-to-back Indian Wells tournament titles. He won last fall when it got postponed, and he has made it into the round of 32, looking to get into the round of 16 here. But some notable wins, for, especially for American. Jensen Brooksby, he beats beats Karen beats 6-0, 6-3. That's a phenomenal win for... Jensen Brooksby, Hachinov plays well. He always has played as well. He is number 25 seed in this tournament. He got a first-round bye and then loses to the Young American in the second round. Let's keep moving. I think everybody expected a little bit better tournament out of Jack Sock, but it's hard when you run right into Stefano Tsitsipas. But it is really good to see Sock back playing competitive tennis, and he barely lost to Stefano Tsitsipas. He loses in a third-set tiebreaker to the number 5 seed, in this tournament, Rafael Nadal, he's rolling. He gets a bye first round, and then he beats Sebastian Corda. Corda beats Kakanakis in the first round, but Corda and Nadal, they kind of go way back because the first time they played, Sebastian Corda talked about how he named his dog after Rafa and he loves Rafa and he's always been a big admirer of Rafa, but he almost beats Rafa. He loses in a third set tiebreaker as well. This is so lopsided. Rafa wins a first set 6 2, Corda wins a second set 6 1. And then he Corda loses in a third set tiebreaker. So Rafael Nadal he is still undefeated in 2022. Uh, Lorenzo Musetti he loses to Riley Opelka in round two. Chapo's into round three. Yannick Sinners into round three. Uh, Nick Kyrgios is into round three. Casper Ruud is in to round three. Berrettini he beats Holger Rune. Holger Rune the youngster he's a qualifier. He gets into. The second round of this tournament after being Hugo Humpert, which is a good win for him. But he falls in three sets to Matteo Barrettini. Holger Rune, though, the 18-year-old, he's really coming onto the scene. And I think there's a lot of good tennis ahead of him. And if you're looking to attach someone young, I would attach to Holger Rune. Because I think he's going to have a good, especially a good career, but a good couple of years here. Um, he's, he's so young. He's 18. You can see he's raw. And he's really just cracking into, you know, he's really just scratching the surface of what he can do. Um, let's keep moving down here. Felix Ogier, Ogier, aliasim. sorry. He loses in the second round, which I believe he was my pick to win it. He's the ninth seed. He does not. He loses in the second round to Botik van de Zanskoop. I think you've heard his name before because he's made a few runs in the last year and his name is super hard to say. And you've probably heard me butcher it a few times but Felix Ogielia Seem loses in 3 sets so he's out early which I did not expect cuz I expect him to have a better year. Taylor Fritz is in the 3rd round. This is something to really keep an eye on. Tommy Paul beats Alexander Sferov. Tommy Paul is now 2 and 0 against Alexander Sferov. Now Tommy Paul the American, he's unseated in this and he ends up making it to the round of 32 where he'll play Alex de Minaur. But god Tommy Paul is playing really good tennis right now. Alex de Minaur um is also playing good tennis right now. And these two kind of play similar styles. They're both kind of small and scrappy. But for Tommy Paul to beat Alexander Sferov, of the three seed, that is an inc- incredible accomplishment. Now, in the bottom part of the bracket, the highest seed is Matteo Berrettini. And Matteo Berrettini is the six seed. So... That's the highest seed in the bottom part of the bracket. Obviously, the number two seed in the world could not play in this tournament, and that is Novak Djokovic. So that leaves kind of the door open for anybody on this bottom half. Uh, Hubie Hurkacz, Hubie he's still in it. Uh, Diego Schwartzman, he's in it. He played, he'll play John Isner. John Isner beat the American Sam Querrey in round two. Good win for him. Uh, Alexander Bublik, he actually goes on and beats Andy Murray. Which, uh, good win for him, but obviously he said he said to Andy Murray at the net, he goes, I'm lucky you're 10 years older than me. And I think that a lot of people are thinking that way right now. And I think, honestly, a lot of people are lucky that the big three are 10 years older than them. But the big two right now, Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal, they're almost unstoppable. So I don't know how lucky they are that they're still playing on the tour at a high level. But Andy Murray, not at the place he was 10 years ago in Alexander Bublék. He definitely acknowledged that at the net when they shook hands. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov, he's in to the round of 32. The person I like right now that's still in it, I do like Andre Rublev. Andre Rublev is playing phenomenal tennis. I believe he's still at the bottom part of this bracket. Yes, he is. He'll play Francis Tiafo in the round of 32, and then he'll either play he'll play into Steve Johnson or H- Hubie Herkoch, and then he'll play into either Schwartzman, Isner, Bublik, or Dimitrov. So the door's kind of open for Ale- Andre Rublev to really make it at least to the semifinals in Indian Wells. Now, it's going to be really hard to root against anybody or really expect anything, I should say, out of anybody in that bottom part of the bracket just because the top part is so good. Um, the top part of this bracket, when you look at it, Uh, You got guys that's still in it, like Shapo, Yannick Sinner. uh, Nick Kyrgios is in that top part of the bracket. Um, And then you keep going up, and you run into Cam Norrie, the defending champ, Al is in it, Gael Monfils, and Daniil Medvedev. So these are all guys you really got to keep an eye on, especially at the top part of this bracket. And then you can't really overpass Rafael Nadal, who is still in this tournament. So um, I think anybody on the top part of the bracket is, could win this and very well will win this. It kind of just matters if they're going to beat each other up so much that they don't really get a chance. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward, especially at this tournament. But I don't know. I can't see how any of these guys in the in the top part don't win this tournament. Like I said, I think Rublev could win it. He's on the bottom part. But this tournament right now is too, too good. Another headline out of this tournament, Naomi Osaka, she leaves the tournament. Um, someone in the crowd yelled naomi you suck was really mad at naomi for some reason and everybody knows that naomi osaka has been dealing with some mental health issues over the last year or so and she actually kind of melt melted down after that and she was pretty much done um she lost the match and she taught she was crying as she was talking after the match on the microphone and said um i just want to thank you guys to the fans to everybody that stuck with her but she was pretty much down and out, which is unfortunate to see. Obviously, in this sport of tennis, it's such a mental sport. And um, for her, after we all thought she was kind of better coming back from her mental health break and not doing press and everything, she kind of has another breakdown. And um, you know, at the hands of a of a fan that was really just being absolutely rude and had no place to do that at a sporting event. There's that. That's why tennis is the way it is. Are because of people not like that fan. We, As tennis fans, we like to kind of pride ourselves in not being that way. And it's unfortunate that one person's going to shine a negative light on what is a great sport, really. Another topic of importance going on this week is Rafael Nadal is pulled out of the Miami Open. I didn't really see this coming, nor did I expect it. Um, he's still playing at Indian Wells, He's just not going to play in Miami. So I don't know if he doesn't want to go back-to-back you know, with his foot and everything and play on hard courts back-to-back, or if he just kind of wants a little break. Who knows? This was a little surprising, though, for me, to be honest, because he is starting the year so well. But there might become a point where he's just trying not to burn himself out because he probably knows. I mean, his, he's probably got his eyes set on Roland Garros. And right now, guess who's getting ready for Roland Garros that can now play in Roland Garros? Novak Djokovic. And so I think he knows Novak's going to be coming hard at him, um, at Roland Garros. And he's slowly prepping for that by pulling out of Miami. Um, he's still undefeated in 2021. So, uh, doesn't seem like anybody's gonna be stopping him soon, but I think it is of important note that he has pulled out of Roland or that, no, 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 that he has pulled out of Miami, not Roland Garros. Um, this is the last thing I kind of want to talk about um, when it comes to professional tennis and just tennis in general um, in this episode. And obviously, we touched on Indian Wells and everything, and what's going down at the BNP Paribas Open uh, in Southern California. And we'll touch on it more next week when we do a full recap. We get some winners, and I can tell you pretty much everything in my thoughts about the tournament. But I'm going to move on for now. And I went to yesterday. I traveled down to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and went to watch Kentucky play Arkansas in men's tennis. Incredible match, incredible atmosphere. Um, I do it again in a heartbeat. I tweeted yesterday. It's probably the best Sunday I've had in a long time, and it was because it was just an incredible atmosphere, and there's not nothing quite like college tennis. But I do have a few thoughts on it, and a few things went through my head as I was out there. Now, these college tennis players, uh, anywhere from the range of 18, 19 years old to probably 25, I would guess, um, and they're getting coached the whole match. They can get coached in between points. They can get coached in between games, in between sets. Pretty much they can get coached any other than when they're hitting the ball. And to go, to have coaching like that at the collegiate level and then go pro and these kids are just, or everybody on the pro circuit is just there alone, I feel like there's such a drastic, drastic difference there. And maybe that's so hard for people to go from playing college to pro. Um, and it's better for people who just go play on a pro circuit right out of you know right out of being 18 years old or 17 years old if they're good enough. But it just it was hard for me to conceptualize that you can do that at the college level and you can't coach at all at the pro level during a match. Um, they were, they were getting strategies mid set. They were getting strategies in between points all the time. And there's such a drastic difference between college and pro. And I would love to get a college player on this podcast, Um, maybe someone who played college then went pro, just to talk about the differences between college and pro and how hard it is to play pro, especially coming from college. That, That was probably the biggest thing I took out of yesterday. Some of these players have to be going into shock when they go pro coming out of college just because... Of How different it is and how alone they are and by themselves they are when in college they're kind of you know they got someone with you. you got a team with you you're playing on a court right next to somebody and then you go pro and you're on your own court with your own grandstand and probably not a coach if you're just getting into pro and no one to tell you what to do and you're just alone. I I thought that was surprising, Um, and that that was my biggest takeaway from it is you can go from this to this, from college to pro so fast. I was trying to think of other sports, and other sports, I don't feel like there's that big of a difference um, as far as coaching and stuff-wise from college to pro, but in tennis, there's a dramatic difference, and I just could not believe it. Um, I I knew you could coach in college. I didn't know they got coached that much. Um, I think it's great for college athletics and great for these kids, and it makes a great atmosphere and uh, a team atmosphere, and that's what it is. Now, granted, you are playing for a team there, and you're not playing for a team in the pros, but that was just something I had to get off my chest, because that's something I thought about a few times while I was watching that match uh, in Fayetteville, that, wow, the coaching in this sport is drastically different, and there's been a push in the last year or so to get more coaching. So, I'm going to see what I can do. Maybe I can get a college kid or a person that plays in the pros that played college on this podcast, talk about that at some point. But man, what a drastic difference and how it's so different and weird. And uh, being at pro events and being at college events, it it is so different. And um, that's literally the only word I can think of right now that can explain it is just so different. So thanks for listening to my small rant. Uh, Thanks for listening to this podcast. There's a lot more to talk about Indian Wells and the BNP Paribas Open. Next week in the podcast, we're going to recap it a little bit, but what I told you today is pretty much exactly what you need to know what's going on in Southern California, and the second this is done, we are going straight to Miami um, for the Miami Open, so I'm not going, but the tennis players, the tennis community, all eyes go from Southern California to Southern Florida in literally a week, so I'm excited about that, I'm excited about this podcast, I'm excited that you listened to this podcast, and I'm excited that you listened to my rant and made it this far in this podcast. As always, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Enjoy some week of tennis. It's on our time zone here in America. There's no excuse really not to watch tennis and everything that's going on in Southern California. Cheers. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe.